welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zaro-Kopinski, and today I'm speaking with Lindsay Palmer about her new novel, Reservations for Six, an entertaining and insightful page turner about modern marriage and a tight-knit group of friends navigating their 30s and beyond. Um, I devoured this book in a couple of days and was feeling very adrift when it was over and the characters left me. And I love what best-selling author Colleen Oakley said of the book. She put it very well. She said, it's not often you find a book that so perfectly captures the messy complexities of modern midlife marriages and manages to be a, a riveting page turner. Yet with reservations for six, Palmer somehow pulls it off. A little more about Lindsay. Lindsay J. Palmer is a writer, editor, and educator. She's the author of four novels, Reservations for Six, Otherwise Engaged, If We Live Here, If We Lived Here, and Pretty in Ink. She worked in the magazine industry for many years, most recently as features editor itself. A graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, she earned a Master of Arts in English Education from Teachers College, Columbia, and taught AP Literature and Creative Writing at a Manhattan public school for several years. Nowadays, she's a senior editor at Brain Pop, an animated educational site for kids. Lindsay lives on Cape Cod with her husband and daughter. Lindsay, thanks for so, so much for coming on A Bookish Home. I'm really excited to talk about Reservations for Six. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This um, book was one where I kept looking forward to every little bit of time. I could steal reading it over a couple of days, and I, there's a lot to dive into. So um, just first, can you tell listeners a bit about um, the novel and the characters we meet in it? Sure. Um, so there are six main characters. It's a group of friends. It's three married couples, all of whom have been together for quite some time. And they have this tradition where on every one of their birthdays, um, they go to the same restaurant and they celebrate all together. And they've been doing this for 10 years. And so the opening scene, uh, features Nathan, the first one of them to turn 40 at his birthday dinner. And he makes this announcement, um, at the end of the dinner that he wants a divorce. And this announcement sort of sets into motion the rest of the novel and how um, this desire for a divorce really affects not just he and his wife, Louisa, but um, everyone in this tight-knit group of friends. Yeah, the way you sort of capture these friendships and the relationships between the characters and in their marriages, their careers, all of it. I just thought was really fascinating and, and entertaining too. And I'm curious sort of how you got started because, you know, I think it, it seems like a tall order to really bring each of those characters to life and kind of give us their perspectives and sort of the alternating points of view. So um, how did the book start? Yeah. Um, you know, that's actually my favorite thing to do is to think about a situation and think about, you know, whoever might be involved and their differing takes on the situation. So I'm always thinking about that, whether, you know, in fiction writing or in my own reading or just in life. Um, so I think my brain is, you know, naturally already kind of primed to, to think about that. Um, the origin of this, uh, you know, I reached a stage in my 30s where fewer people were getting married and more people I knew were, you know, long-term relationships, whether they were marriages or not, were dissolving. And, um, you know, of course that was difficult for the couple, but I found myself really thinking about, okay, well, what, what are sort of the, um, the, the ripple effect, you know, the way in which it affects the people around them as well. And that, you know, most people are pretty interconnected who have, you know, friendships and, um, people who are, 
you know, friends with both people in the couple um, and and how might that affect them? And, and also thinking about, OK, when I would actually talk to people about, you know, why the relationship might have ended, sometimes it was something really dramatic, um, but oftentimes it wasn't. It was more just, you know, reaching a breaking point or something that felt tolerable until suddenly it didn't. And those lines are different for each couple. And so I, I was interested in that too, thinking about, okay, um, a relationship that doesn't survive might not have issues that are so much different from relationships that do. It might be a matter of degree um, or, you know, something that happens that that sets them off. Um, but I, I thought about that too, you know, okay, what is that like for someone who is still in a relationship to hear about the dissolution of a relationship and think, okay, well, something like that might be going on in my relationship too. And what does that mean for it? So, um, you know, it's kind of a combination of seeing some of that in my own life and just, just thinking about that. Um, and, and, you know, how, how kind of our romantic relationships and our friendships are intertwined in, in sort of complicated ways. Yeah. That's so interesting. And you capture it so well. Um, was it difficult to kind of, tap into each character's voice and story? And were there any characters that were more difficult for you to sort of get into their head and get them on the page than others? That's a great question. Um, I always think of each character that I write as like, you know, some little piece of me or some kind of perspective that I've had. Um, and so I try as much as possible to you know, embody that perspective and really empathize with that character. Um, that said, you know, I do generally find women characters easier to write. Um, I would say the main character in this novel, Louisa, she is a vice principal at a school. Um, I worked for several years as an English teacher in a school that's very similar to the one that she works in. So I found that perspective just sort of naturally easier to write because I'd had some of those similar experiences. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's fun to explore, you know, things I've thought about through different characters in fiction. So, for example, Amy and Abe are a couple in the novel that are, you know, have been dealing with infertility and sort of struggling to figure out, like, what they want. You know, he really wants to have a child. She is a little bit more hesitant. Um, and I think about, you know my own thought process before I had a child and thinking about, you know, how is this going to affect my life? Do I want this? Do I not? And, and so I sort of took those two sides of those coins and sort of put them on these two characters. And, and I think that's kind of a fun thing to do to sort of represent sides of myself or sides of um, issues that I've thought about in, in different characters. Yeah. Um, I'm, I feel like with a book like this, you might have some, like nervous friends when you say that this is what you're writing about? <laughs> Did you have to do any assuring of like, it's fiction? I'm not, I'm not writing about any of you. You know, that's a really good question. I, I have uh, very few friends have read it so far. So I don't, I haven't actually had those conversations. <laughs> I will say I've certainly dealt with that. And, you know, a lot of fiction writers draw from their own lives. Um, and my first novel actually was based in the women's magazine industry where, you know, I worked for many years and, and was most closely related to my experiences. Um, and I had a lot of that. And then in my previous novel, Otherwise Engaged, I actually explored that. I had the main, the main characters were a couple and the guy in the couple writes this best-selling novel that's based on an old relationship. Um, and it's sort of those issues all come to the fore. So I certainly think about that and have even explored it in fiction of how, you know, uh, sometimes the, the uncomfortable line between um, fiction and reality, because it's, it's, 
it's not always so clear cut. Yeah. Um, well, in terms of sort of the, um, I get interested sometimes in kind of the nitty gritty of like how other people do sort of like constructing the book. And since you have these different perspectives, um, I guess, what was your writing process like? And are you a plotter? Are you a pantser? And how did it work kind of weaving, weaving the almost the timeline together with all these different points of view? Um, you know, I am not a plotter. I wish I were, <laughs> because I think maybe the writing process would go a little bit easier. Uh, what I am is an editor. So uh, I had, you know, I always start with character and I had these basic characters in mind and I had sort of the main thrust of what the issue in each relationship was going to be. Um, and I had a vague idea of where I might be headed, but not even entirely. Um, and then I just started writing. And, and as I said, I mean, I, I think a first draft for me is like a mess. Um, and then it's when I can look at that and think about, okay, here's the story I actually want to tell. And then it's going back and sort of chipping at it. Um, but I think, you know, part of, part of the writing for me is really getting to know these characters. And as I started to figure out, okay, not just the romantic relationships, but how do the friendships work and who might get involved in the various situations um, and who can I, you know, throw together <laughs> to make drama or to, you know, heighten the conflict. Um, that's when I'm really figuring out the plot as I go along. Um, that said, it's it's kind of messy. And I, I sort of envy writers who talk about, you know, spreadsheets and having it all figured out ahead of time. Um, I, I, I envy like them to as do well. that. I'm not sure I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, you know, one thing I'm interested right now, selfishly, because it's kind of where I am in my own writing life, um, is once you kind of have that messy first draft, how have you gone about the process of revision? Hmm. You know, I'm I'm not exactly sure how to answer that question. I think the first draft is where I sort of get to know the characters. And when I have that all in my head, I think it, it's clarifying. I mean, there are times, actually with this book, I, I did. I have a couple of um, close writer friends that I shared the first draft with. And, you know, it's it's sometimes a, a time to get feedback. You know, you're so in in the story, you know, what does it look like from the outside? Um, I think I also believe in the value of setting something aside for a couple months um, because then, you know, you do get some distance and you get some perspective. But um, my actual revision, revision process is very much just like reading a paragraph five times over and, and you know, playing with it. Um, I, I wouldn't say I have much of a system beyond that. Well, the um, kind of sharing it with other writers, I was going to kind of ask you to just about the role that other writers have played kind of in your journey. Are you someone that's had like a writing group or I didn't mention like some trusted readers kind of. Yeah. Um, actually a, a really nice silver lining that came out of the pandemic um, is way back when I was in college, many years ago, um, I had a very close writer group. Like we all took the same writing workshop every semester and, you know, some of us have stayed vaguely in touch, but, you know, not a lot. And we had a reunion like during the early pandemic days when everyone was doing that on Zoom. And there were a couple people on that call, myself included, who had, you know, just recently finished a novel and we ended up reconnecting from that. Um, and now we've met frequently and, and they've, you know, weighed in on my work and I've weighed in on their work and it's been extremely valuable. And I was like, why did we lose touch for all these years? <laughs> um, so that's been great. Um, and then you know, besides that, um, I have a former boss who's a really wonderful editor who I, I tend to send my work to. 
Um, and then, you know, I have friends who actually aren't writers, but are just, you know, smart people. Um, and I sometimes like to get like non-writer perspectives on my work. So depending on, you know, the piece, um, I might just say, oh, I'm, I'm curious what this person's, you know, thoughts would be on this. Um, so, but, but I'm also, I know some people like, as soon as they finish a chapter, they share it with someone. I'm definitely not that kind of <laughs> writer. I feel like I need to have something in fairly good shape before I feel comfortable getting feedback because, you know, you are making yourself vulnerable. Um, and I don't know, you got to protect your, your own sensitivities. I know we kind of mentioned at the beginning, like there's that combination of sort of um, insightful and caring about the characters, but also, uh, and, and so well-written, but also, you know, you're really like up late turning the pages. Um, and I'm sure some of that is um, just baked into your writing and probably hard to decipher, but I'm just kind of curious how you approach kind of keeping the reader engaged like that and, and keeping up that momentum during your writing process. I'm not sure how conscious it is. I think I that maybe comes from reading a ton and just sort of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, taking tips from how, how other writers are doing it. But as I was talking about before, I mean, I think I am attuned to, uh, you know, as much as possible, getting to know characters through their actions, you know, showing them in a situation like what's coming to mind is... Um, you know, without giving too much away, uh, a, a woman that Nathan ends up being involved in takes a job at, you know, his his separated wife's school. And so I am sort of like putting them in the same place um, to see kind of what drama might ensue. Um, so that so that's something, you know, setting setting up scenes where where things are actually going to happen as much as possible. Um, and then always kind of keeping in mind, I mean, at a certain point, I had an idea of what I wanted the climax to be. So really thinking about, okay, what kind of, what are the steps that are needed to get there? Um, and sort of working towards that. Authors that have had a big influence on you? Yeah, I've always been a reader. I mean, it's like, I say, it's like my only hobby. <laughs> it's what I, you know, any spare moment, I'll just pick up a book. Um, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I read a lot of contemporary fiction, mostly by women. Um, in recent years, the books that have stayed with me the most are the Elena Ferrante Neapolitan novels that, you know, I know a lot of people are big fans of hers. And I think, you know, speaking of painting really rich characters and putting them in, uh, you know, interesting situations, I feel like she's the queen of that. So I, I do, I'm not a big rereader of books, but I do find myself going back to passages of hers and thinking like, I don't know, just to get my mind blown, basically. <laughs> yeah. Do you find it kind of tricky to be kind of reading while you're drafting, like being, I know some writers are kind of nervous about like potentially like tapping into somebody else's voice or idea or um, do you struggle with that at all? Or is it just kind of like almost like nourishment for your writing to be reading as you're going along? Oh, I like how you put that. Yeah, I do think of it as nourishment. I mean, I, you know, I'm not and I'm not sure that I'm consciously like picking up books that are exploring similar topics. But when I do when I'm reading about something that I'm also writing about, like, I just like to get different perspectives on something. And sometimes it will, you know, um, spark an idea. So I think that's useful. And also just, you know, just to, yeah, as you said, be nourished by wonderful writing, I think is always valuable. Yeah. Well, I, I'm always interested in people's sort of writing routines. Love to hear kind of where you write and are you somebody who um, like has a strict schedule you stick to or you're trying to hit a certain word count? Is it much more just sort of like free form? What's your routine like? 
Yeah, so I do most of my fiction writing on weekend mornings um, because I have a, a full-time job during the week. Um, and so, you know, that's the time I've carved out. Um, so I am pretty disciplined about that, that I'll take, you know, two or three hours on a weekend morning. Um, and I love to write in coffee shops, um, that kind of ambient noise. I mean, that hasn't been a big thing over the past couple of years. I'm glad that <laughs> finally, you know, they seem to be opening up again. Um, I also love to go to the library, like something where like there's a little bit of um, distraction and activity around me, um, but not too much. Uh, and yeah, in the past, sometimes I've done like one weeknight, but I, I do find it difficult to, to motivate myself to do that. So I don't always stick to that. Yeah, actually, I was um, you mentioned your full time job. I was kind of excited when I saw Brain Pop. I was a school librarian for a long time and I had oh. shown many Brain Pop videos in, in my day. Oh, I love <laughs> um, that. Yeah. Is it fun? I would imagine like um, maybe as you're researching different topics, like I feel like that could always spark different ideas or get you thinking does that kind of feed into your creative life at all I just think it would be yeah a fun job. I mean it is it's a really fun job and I'm always learning and I mean I have I I have this like well of random facts at my disposal <laughs> just because you know I wrote I might have been writing about plate tectonics or Alan Turing or whatever the topic is and I you know do a deep dive on that for a month and then move on um, but I find that that's useful as a fiction writer that I just have these kind of you know uh, wells of information about lots of, you know, uh, like shallow amounts of information about like lots of different things. I, I, that's just, you know, it's useful. That's so fun though. That feels like it would be helpful for a novelist. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like great. that. As we're talking, the book is launching soon. It'll already be out by the time this airs, but do you enjoy the sort of having to put the book out and, and yourself into the world to promote the book? Is that side of the writer life challenging? And um, <laughs> I find it equal parts exciting and anxiety inducing, um, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's like you've been working on this thing for so long and it's just been in your head and then suddenly it's available for readers. And, um, you know, you hope that, people will connect with it, but people have their own opinions and they bring their own, you know, selves to it and it it's out of your control. Um, so, you know, it's always exciting to connect with readers and hear their thoughts. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a little, <laughs> it, it, you have to have a thick skin. And I think, you know, uh, I'm not sure that I always do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love like the, the events where I get to go and do readings and talk to people and meet people. That's all, that's all fun. And I feel like greatly privileged that, um, I have that opportunity. Are you getting to do some more of that? I know it seems like things are better, but then we also don't know what's happening. And are you getting to do like a little bit of a book tour or is it mostly yeah, still online? Yeah, I have a few. It was, everything was up in the air, but now I have a few in-person events, which I'm very excited about. And I actually recently have started going to a couple book events again. Um, you know, everything is subject to change, but hopefully it can happen. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Well, I have just a few sort of like, bookish quick questions do you have a favorite bookstore that you'd recommend oh yes so i lived for uh over a decade in brooklyn um near Greenlight bookstore which was my favorite bookstore by far and i would go to all kinds of events and always get my books there so i love that bookstore i'm actually doing a virtual event there for my launch um, and I recently moved with my family to Cape Cod and have gotten to know the Brewster bookstore, 
um, near where we live now that I'm really a fan of. And I also, I grew up in Newton, Massachusetts, Newton, Massachusetts, that's home to the wonderful Newtonville books. So all three of those bookstores I highly recommend and are run by just such book lovers. Yes, dear, a fellow Massachusetts person, which is fun for me. <laughs> yeah. Do you have um, a favorite library? Yes. So that is the, one of the wonderful things about where we've moved um, in the East Ham Public Library is like one of the most beautiful libraries I've ever been to. And you can sit, they have, actually, these are nice reading nooks. They have these little like chairs that look out on this gorgeous lake um, and it's all very pristine and idealistic. It's, it's lovely. Oh, I love that. What about, is there any spot that you've really um, enjoyed going to like bookish destination, like a, um, like a setting for one of your books that you researched or an author's house or a museum, anything like that, that you um, have enjoyed? Yeah. Um, so I went to Edith Wharton's estate in Western Massachusetts, which like I was such a fangirl. I love her novels so much. And in fact, my second novel, um, a character in the book is obsessed with Lily Bart um, from The House of Mirth. <laughs> Uh, which oh. is my favorite uh, Edith Wharton novel. And so it was shortly after I wrote that book that my mom and I took a field trip. We went out there for the weekend and we took the tour and um, it was just really fun to see like the bedroom and the, you know, the recreation of her bed where she lay and wrote her novels. And um, that was really fun. So that's the kind of field trip that I like to take. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I've got to get there. I am. Um, I was just reading The Wedding Veil by Christy Woodson Harvey and Edith Wharton makes an appearance and um, just got me thinking again, like, oh, I've got to go there. And um, the House of Mirth comes up and I just feel like she's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, It it is um, like a dual perspective historical fiction and has to do with a um, special veil in the Vanderbilt family. And yeah, it's really fun. I like, yeah. Um, Well, that leads me to my my other question. Are there any books that you've been reading lately that you'd want to recommend to listeners? Yes, I have a few. Um, So I just read this wonderful memoir by Liz Shire called Never Simple. Um, And it's about a mother and daughter told from the daughter's point of view, uh, all about how she managed to survive a childhood with a pretty troubled mother who um, eventually is diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Um, And as the title promises, it's a really complicated relationship, um, but it's full of love and heartbreak. And I found it to be moving and gripping. Highly recommend. Um, And then I read recently a book of short stories by Jean Chen Ho called Fiona and Jane. Um, They're connected stories and they alternate between the voices of these two friends who are Taiwanese American women. Um, And what is really cool is it traces this friendship over decades and they weave in and out of each other's lives. And I just found that the characters were so alive to me through so many stages of life, which I think is really difficult, like from teenagers through, I think their thirties or forties. And then lastly, I just read this amazing novel by Jessamine Chan called The School for Good Mothers. Um, And it's futuristic and it's about this mother who has one really bad day and makes one big lapse in her parenting judgment. Um, And then she gets sent to this government reform program that's like supposedly going to teach her to be a good mother and then determine whether she can get custody of her daughter back. And it's just this beautiful, but also funny and sad book that um, is really searing commentary on what society expects of mothers. So um, it was very unusual, different from anything I've ever read. 
Well, obviously the universe wants me to read that because I just was interviewing before we talked Elena Dillon, who wrote um, My Body is a Big Fat Temple, and she recommended that one. And I, I was like, oh, I keep seeing that. I've got to read it. And now you've recommended it too. So obviously <laughs> that has to be my next book. Um, it's then, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Are you able to share anything you're working on next? I know this is just coming out, but... Yeah, so I'm in the very early stages of writing a novel that um, takes place here on Cape Cod. As I said, I recently moved here, so I'm sort of exploring this as a setting um, about twin sisters, and um, one of whom is already living here and one of whom moves here, and they've always kind of had a sibling rivalry and to see how that plays out. So I have very little figured out about the book. I'm, I'm, As I said, I kind of start with the relationship, but I'm just sort of interested in exploring what's going to happen. Um, yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for coming on. Thank you, Laura. These are wonderful questions and I uh, enjoyed chatting with you. Oh, great. And I will, um, I'll definitely link to your um, website. Um, and is there anywhere online that you tend to be um, if listeners want to connect with you? Um, I'm on Instagram at Lindsay J. Palmer um, and Facebook, Lindsay J. Palmer author. Um, so either way, there's both, I tend to post uh, more on Instagram. <laughs> Perfect. And I'll link to your website too if people want to get there from that. Um, well, thanks again. And um, best of luck with the next writing project as well. Thank you, Laura. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. And there you'll also find a link to our new online bookshop. Um, a Bookish Home has teamed up with the new organization bookshop.org, which supports independent bookstores. And if you'd like, you can browse books by authors who have been guests on A Bookish Home. I'm also sharing there all of the books mentioned on the podcast, books I've been reading lately, and other recommendations. It's a really wonderful site to browse and look through books. And if you make a purchase, it supports A Bookish Home and independent bookstores. So it's a win-win. So if you want to check that out directly, it's bookshop.org slash shop slash A Bookish Home. And you'll also find that at abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.